that'll be number 12 on this. And, um, but that's okay. Another, uh, it, it never, never hurts us to examine the scriptures thoroughly and go through them and kind of slow down and, and study these different verses and see different aspects of importance for the youth here, for the young ladies here, for mothers here, uh, for single people here, and also uh, for the elder uh, ladies to help the younger ladies, right? There's, and for a young man to understand what God expects uh, you know, uh, him to be looking for in a spouse or a young lady to understand what God expects from them uh, to be the spouse that God wants them to be. And one of the things that we're going to talk about here in, is Proverbs 31, 30 here, uh, it's kind of choosing a spouse, uh, not really specifics on that in the sense of like going through a checklist of anything, but really the difference between vain, vain beauty versus the fear of the Lord. I think that's so important because in youth, you have beauty, you, you tend to have beauty in youth and you're young and vibrant and you have all those things, right? And you can look back at your pictures and remember when you were young and when you're, you know, and, and you look back and, and some of you are still young, but, but you, you look back and you think about that youth, you know, that, that life and the beauty that's there and all those. But quickly, uh, if you're not careful, that beauty can be vain and it can be empty and it can be shallow. And there's nothing wrong with, with beauty. There's nothing wrong with youth. It is a truly a beautiful thing to watch, uh, especially when it's in purity. It is a beautiful thing to see and to behold and to thank God for. But beauty, mere beauty, can be vanity very quickly. It leads to vanity very quickly, and the Bible warns. So really, there's a, a warning to not even women in that sense, but also to young men as they have their strength and they have their looks and they have their other things to remember that there is no life built upon those things. Life is built upon Christ. It is built upon what's right, and it's built upon the fear of the Lord. If you're ever going to be a good husband or a good wife, if you're ever going to be that, then, then there's nothing wrong with, with beauty. It's a wonderful thing. But listen, it's the fear of the Lord that is more important than any of that. Take someone with the fear of the Lord and someone that has just the world's vain beauty and its attachments, and that woman will make you, though she may be a beautiful woman, she will make you absolutely miserable and destroy your life. If all she has is vanity, there has to be more, to, more to, to a person than just their looks. There has to be more to them than that. You know, Absalom was one that really cared about his looks, and he, you know, he pulled his hair, and he, he did all this other stuff, and he had all this long hair like an antichrist, and he was an antichrist figure that turned against David, right, that betrayed David. He was a Judas figure that did that. But everything that he had was just this outward impression to everybody. Like he stole the hearts of Israel by his, by his countenance, by his outward, you know, appearance and the way that he spoke and everything like that. But his heart was not sincere. His heart was evil. So the Bible is teaching us a principle here. And in Proverbs 31, you really get to the meat of the matter when it comes to this. In verse number 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Father, Lord, we pray you bless us now and help us as we look through the scriptures here. Help us to believe your word. And Lord, help us all to fear the Lord, to give him glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You know, the Bible states here that the true praise of a, of a woman and a wife and a daughter of the Lord is what should be sought after. It, and that true praise comes from fearing the Lord. A life, you, we raise our children, we ought to be raising our children to fear God, to reverence Him, to give God glory in their lives, that their lives belong. If you are a child of God, then your life belongs to the Lord. You belong, you, you're God's, God's workmanship, right? You belong to the Lord. And that needs to be clear. One person said it this way, that love which is cemented by youth and beauty, when these molder and decay, as soon as they do, that love fades too. But if husbands and wives are each reconciled unto God in Christ, and so heirs of life and one with God, then are they truly one in God, each with the other. And that is the surest and sweetest union that can be. The surest and sweetest union that a husband and wife can have is built upon the fear of the Lord. It's the, and what does that mean? That means the absolute standard of your marriage is this King James Bible. It is the authority on your marriage. That it is, it is built upon the foundation of Christ. Every marriage, if it will be successful in the Lord, will be built upon the foundation of Christ. It'll be built upon the foundation of the Word of God. Why? Because if it is, then this book decides everything for my marriage. That's powerful, isn't it? That's, that's a powerful statement. Because if it does, then guess what that does? That means that there's no confusion in my marriage. I'm not saying there won't be disobedience at times. There won't be ill feelings at times. There won't be things that have to be worked on. But there isn't going to be confusion in my marriage if it's built upon the fear of the Lord. Why? Well, we've already taken the standard. It's the Word of God. And if, we go to the, if we're doing something wrong in our marriage, we settle it by the book. It's not me versus her and me being right. Are you paying attention? It's not me being right, always right. No, it's we approach the Word of God together and we see it and what it says, we both submit to it. Do you see the difference? It's not me using a bully pulpit with the Bible and saying that I'm always right. No, it's the Scripture settling the matter. That's what settles the matter. There's a lot of people, well, my wife does this. So I'm going to do this. What? Since when do you play tit for tat with your wife? Since when do you do that? Since when is that the, the proper approach? Oh, my wife is defrauding me in this way, so I'm going to defraud her in this way. Well, then what's settling? What, what, how are you settling? Oh, I'm settling it by my own emotions and my own feelings. I'm the de deciding factor as to what happens in my marriage then. Well, that's sinful and wrong and idolatry and selfishness and self-centeredness. And it's wicked, by the way. I don't care if you're male or female. It's wicked as hell. You don't settle matters in a marriage by, she does this, so I'm doing this. You settle it by, well, what is, if her response is wrong, then I do right. 
I don't, I don't seek vengeance against my wife. What in the world? That is just insanity to me. For people to look at that, look at each other like they're fighting each other. Yeah, there's a little bit of a biblical disconnect there, I would think. Right? That's not, that's not how you settle matters. You settle matters by the word of God. It's just like in the church. You don't settle matters by me. I don't settle matters by why I'm the pastor, do what I say. No, I settle matters by here's the word of God. We have to do what it says. We have to do what it says. Which includes me. Right? So then I so then it doesn't, it's not my opinion. It's the Bible. So then nobody can, we don't have to be mad at each other. We can be like, hey, we both got to submit to this book. We all do. Right? That's, that's the same thing in your marriage. It shouldn't be, I shouldn't be taking this to, well, I like things this way, so that's the way it's going to be. Oh, okay. I mean, okay, maybe you can do that because you're a husband and, and, and that'll work a couple times. But should you do that? It's, should you do that? Or should I say, you know, let's look at what the Bible says about this. The scriptures are clear. This is what it says. We ought to do what God says. That's biblical leadership. That, that's how you lead. That, that's how you lead a wife as a, as a husband. Because she sees that you're serious. By the way, don't give your wife a lot of excuses or that sense, which there really isn't any biblical ones. In, but when you're not submitted to God's word in your actions and word, thought, and deed and everything that you're doing, when you're not submitted and you don't do right, but then you're ready to pounce on her when she does wrong, but she sees, well, you're not even submitted to God's word. That's, that's very counterproductive. And it's not going to work because, see, submission to God is the most important thing for a Christian, for those that are saved. The most important thing when you're lost is to be born again. The most important thing when you're a Christian and you're saved is to be in surrender and submission to God. Right? See the difference? Lost people can't be in submission to God. They're lost. They don't have a heart to. They need a new heart. God gives them a new heart, then they submit. Amen? That's how that works. We don't expect lost people to submit to God. I don't anyway. And if you ever do, you're going to be awful disappointed. When you go to work in the world and you see evil people, well, you're supposed to see them. That's where they are. My surprise is when I see evil people in God's church. Amen. Right? See the difference? When I see people in God's church acting like the world, I'm like, okay, we got a problem here. I expect to see that out there. Not here. That's not us. Right? Amen. That, that keeps us humble, though, because we're like, okay, we got to get right with God, because this is what God says for us to do. The world, they're a bunch of heathens. We're not allowed to run around like a bunch of heathens. We have a Father. Amen. We're supposed to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in our right mind. Amen. A gracious woman retaineth honor. That is a woman distinguished for her modesty, her meekness, and her prudence, and other virtues. It will engage affection and respect when other accomplishments fade and decline. You know, that beauty and that, that outward appearance and all those things, those things will fade in time and they'll get grayer and you'll get grayer and, 
and all those other things are going to happen, right? We're going to all age and we're going to all get old and, and, and those things are going to happen. But you know something? That modesty, that meekness, that prudence, those virtues from God, they grow stronger and the affections grow stronger for that person and the respect. Right? I can honestly tell you that when I married my, my wife, she was 19 years old. And I, I married her at 19. I have much more respect for her now than I, than I did when she was 19 years old. I, I didn't know what that was, really. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I respect her. I mean, I wasn't mean to her. I, didn't, I wasn't unkind to her purposely or anything like that. I'm sure I was insensitive a lot. Amen. I'm sure I was. And am still sometimes, right? But, but the difference is after you've had children, <laughs> you watch them go through life with you and they remain faithful to you and, they, and they're there with you through all those things, you can't help but respect them. And those things stick out more to a man with a heart for God that fears the Lord than anything ever could. Amen. If you love God, it doesn't matter what what 25-year-old whore is running around the corner trying to attract a married man. Amen. Because your heart is fixed, number one on God. Amen. And then number two on the wife that God has given you and the respect that you have for her. Amen. That's, that's all rooted in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Virtue. So number one, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. Virtue is better than favor. Remember that. The virtue here, that's what's being illustrated in Proverbs 31. A virtuous woman is, an ener is, a, is, a, is a holy woman, is an energetic woman, is a morally virtue woman with power and strength from God. But it is rooted in the fear of the Lord. The woman that's being described in Proverbs 31 is a woman that fears the Lord. The entire chapter is describing a woman that fears the Lord. That's what it's described. You want to know, well, what does it mean to fear God? Well, there it is, lady. Read it. That's what it means. Oh, I can't understand that. I'm just so confused. No, you're not. You're disobedient. You're not confused at all. I get sick of excuses. Oh, I'm, I'm confused. I'll try. Yeah, okay. Try to eat today. Try to do that. Try to walk today. Right? Try to drink water today. Just try. Try to go to the bathroom today. Just try, but don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to mess in here. Right? That's I. I that's just nonsense. I'll, I'll try. Man, how about I'll do it? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. No, do it. Virtue is better than favor because favor is deceitful, but virtue is lasting. It comes from the Holy Ghost of God dwelling in that woman. Favor means comeliness or, as the, or it speaks of beauty, which commonly gives women favor or exception with those who, who love them or behold them. Favor is deceitful. That is men's favor, not favor from God. God gives his saints favor. Amen. 
Spurgeon used to say that about his wife. He said, I always, I always think that my wife is, is one of God's favorites because every time she prays for something, God gives it to her. Amen. He didn't say that about himself. He said that about his wife. He believed it because he saw God. There's nothing wrong with God's favor. God's favor doesn't give us pride and arrogancy. It's it's because God knows how to give it to us in just the right way to where you can't be lifted up about it. Amen. But favor, men's favor is deceitful. The world's favor, how fickle it ever is, says one, how soon it changes and what a short time it exists. How do I know that? Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. What did they say the very next day? Crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. That was, that was the same people, you get that, right? That wasn't different people. That was the same exact people that laid those palms down, that, that watched him come in on the coat the full of an ass and come into the city and laid the palms down and yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the very next time when we see them talking, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. He's not fit to live. That's the world's favor. What did Jesus say? He knew what was in every man. He didn't care what they, he, his, their applause meant nothing to him, nor did their cursings mean anything to him. He, he said, I'm, I, he, he knowing what, it, what, what was in every man, he, he's like, yeah, whatever. He didn't, he didn't like, he knew what they were doing, right? Like he knew that they were going to do what they did. So one minute they're praising him, the next minute they're cursing him. He's not surprised by that. Right? You shouldn't be either. One, one minute they'll praise you, the next minute they'll curse you. Amen. That's the way it works. That's the world's favor. How many souls have been ruined by the world's favors? Flattery has produced pride and has blinded the eyes and led the steps along the downward way. Oh, flattery is such a dangerous tool. Whew. It's so dangerous. Years ago, I, I, was, I had a few men around me that were very flattering men. They're very subtle and flattering men. And then they, 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 they kind of attracted men to the ministry that were like that. They were very flattering people. And people online, they were very flattering people. Right? You don't notice it until the knife's in you, right? That, that people aren't your enemy because they speak to you or they disagree with you. You learn that with maturity. That sometimes, see, sometimes when you're corrected and you're, you're spoken to something, that those people aren't your enemy. Like, I'm not your enemy. Like, like, like. Uh, Elijah said, have I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Or Paul said that, right? Uh, you know, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? No, I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend, right? Sometimes your friends tell you that they'll, the, the kisses of, a, of, of an enemy are deceitful, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? Sometimes you, you, they, you don't, you, there are men that are more trustworthy that, uh, that I can trust more that have disagreed with me at times that, 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 you know, we just couldn't come to an agreement on certain topics but they were still faithful men, right? They were faithful men though. And I can say that, but we didn't always agree on everything, but they were faithful, right? We had our disagreements, we've had them. We talked about things. We just didn't come to an agreement on it, but we didn't hate each other and they didn't hate me. Amen. In fact, they ended up sticking by me when, when a lot of other people ditched me. Amen. <laughs> and the ministry, right? They were like, well, yeah. So you gotta be careful about that, right? That favor, that flattery, because it's a tool that Satan uses. He uses it on young men to lift them up with pride, too. 
so he can take them out. Amen. Favor will fade. It will last a short time and be gone. This is a what have you done for me lately world, isn't it? We watch it all the time, right? Stars come and then they, they go. The world's stars, they come and they go. They're the world's gladiators, they come and they go. And they're ready to get rid of them, right? When Satan's done using these people, what does he do? They end up ODing in a hotel room somewhere, right? You never hear from them again. Nobody cares about them. Nobody cares. They say their little, oh, I'll see you in heaven. Heaven. <laughs> right? Every, all of them are in heaven that die. None of them believe in heaven until they die. Then all of them believe in heaven. They don't believe in God until they die. They're snorting coke. They're doing acid. They're running around, partying, living it up with a bunch of whores into their Hindu religion and into all. But as soon as they die, man, they're in heaven. They believe in heaven now. Like, I like what Spurgeon said about that. Die and don't make anybody a Christian. <laughs> if you ain't a Christian on this side, you ain't going to be one when you die either. Don't make anybody a Christian. Don't be putting people in heaven that ain't there, right? It's confusion to the world. That's what the world does to everybody that dies. Guys singing this song. What was that one guy? The, the one of the band on a highway to hell. So I made a video about it. And then I did a little, put, we put a little meme together that said, yeah, Malcolm, yeah. Guy brags about being on a highway to hell. I tell everybody he went there and you're all mad at me. Well, he admitted he went, to, he was on a highway to hell. And they're like, rest in peace. I'll see you in heaven. It's deceit. They have the world's favor for a time, right? But then it goes away. Yeah. But speaking specifically of a woman, a well-favored look, a graceful countenance, symmetry and proportion of parts, natural or artificial beauty are vain and deceitful. Oftentimes under them lies an ill-natured, deformed and depraved mind. Nor is the pleasure and satisfaction enjoyed as is promised along with these. And particularly, how do they fade and consume away by a fit of illness? And through old age, at last by death, and so vain and deceitful are the favor and beauties, the artificial paintings of Jezebel, that whore of Rome, all her deckings and dressings and ornaments, her gaudy pomp and show in her worship, and the places of it are vain and deceitful. Now, let me say this. He's not saying merely because somebody is beautiful or they have a beauty or they take care of themselves that, 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 that that's, that's vain deceit. Okay, that's not, that's not true. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that that vein that, that if somebody is beautiful like that, they need to they need to make sure that the, the above all else that the fear of the Lord is the guide of their life. That it is not their beauty that gets them where they're going, or it's not their beauty that they try to use to their advantage, or it's not the, the way that they look or what they have or the body that they have or anything else that they are using to get to to get what they want in life. But it is the fear of the Lord that their life is based on. Do you understand that? So it's not wrong. I'm not, I'm not preaching that it's wrong for a lady to take care of themselves, to look nice, and to do all the... There's nothing wrong with any of that. That's, in fact, that's a good thing, to have good character and to do those things. That, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is, is if you think the outward and the way that you look is more important than your heart. Amen. It's a very dangerous thing. Because beauty is vain, and it's in that sense, and it's not lasting. It's going to go away. One sickness, one fire you get caught in, one car accident you have, one thing could maim you. And let me ask you, husband, let's ask ourselves that question. What, let's say that did happen to your wife. Are you still going to love your wife and be faithful to her until death do you part? Amen. 
or wife the same thing for your husband? Are you going to be faithful to him until death do you part, though he's maimed or whatever in that sickness or in health? Is it the beauty or is it the things that are done there? Or is it the true heart of fear of the Lord and of commitment to God that means more to you than anything? Amen. That's built upon strength and character and, and, and fear of the Lord. It's, I'm telling you, it's so important because we live in such a superficial society today that the only thing they care about is how someone looks. That it's the most important thing is how they look. That's why, that's why these transgenders say, well, I can be a woman, a man that says, I can be a woman if I just look like a woman. No, the way you look doesn't mean that's what you are. Right? That doesn't, just because you try to make yourself look like a woman, that doesn't mean you are a woman. Right? Well, the same thing goes. By the way, you might have a beautiful face and a, 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 a nice figure and all those other things. You might have all those things, but you might have a really ugly heart. A really nasty and ugly heart. And you might use that nasty, or you might use that beautiful body or beautiful uh face and all those things to to be able to hurt people with your nasty heart amen there's a lot of women out there that are like that lee told me stories about that when he was uh trying to find a wife many many years ago and he was out there and he was doing that and he said man he would he would see some of these he wanted them to to look like something but be something else he wanted the world's vanity, right? That's what he wanted until God changed his heart and showed him that you're not to chase after those things. It's vanity. And that's what you have to be careful of, that you don't care about the way you look more than your heart is. More than what's your heart, if your heart is right with God, if you fear the Lord. Because I'll tell you something right now. There's most of those women that make themselves look like that and, and do all those, they're miserable. And they're angry and they use their body and they use their, their beauty to trample on men. That's what they do with their life. And if you become an empty soul like that, you become a person like that, that's what it's talking about when it's talking about vanity. It's vain, it's empty, it means nothing. It's very dangerous. You know, it, it consumes away. Vain deceit, that is what the scriptures are talking about. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, says the preacher. All is vexation of spirit. So many people look for the wrong thing. They look at looks first. It's, it's just true. When you're young, I mean, of course, there's got to be some attraction there. When you're, there's, that's just natural, okay? That's, that's just natural. There's going to be attraction, okay? I mean, that's just normal. If there's not, that'd be weird. But, um, <laughs> right, there's going to be that attraction. Praise the Lord. That's the way God made you. All right. There's nothing wrong with that on either side. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, that's that's normal. so I'm not going to preach you something like some weird Roman Catholic, like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, celibacy type thing or, or like you're some kind of monk somewhere. No, of course, you're going to have real feelings and you're going to have real attraction and that's not by the way i'll tell you young people right now that's not abnormal and you're not weird because you have that you're actually normal that you have that you just have to learn to temper that with the spirit and do things the right way 
those things are put on hold until you're ready for that, right? But there's nothing wrong with having that. That doesn't make you weird or doesn't make you wrong or doesn't make you filthy or dirty or anything like that. It, it just makes you a normal person, right? That's the normal course of life. People grow up, people want to get married. That's just the normal course of life. If you didn't want that, I would be a little concerned. If that didn't matter to you at all, that would be concerning. Or, or you're going to be um, a eunuch by choice, I guess. But the, anyway, there's not too many of those. Not many can receive that. So I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I preface that because there's some people that they don't tell you that. They'll leave it in your mind that, well, if you, you know, if you're attracted or you have those attractions to the, you know, if you're a young man and you're, you know, you have those attractions to girls, and that, that, there must be something wrong with you. No, that's not weird. There's nothing wrong with you. That's normal. Or girls, when they think about that, I think about, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, that's normal. It's natural. But there's a right way to deal with it. There's a right and a wrong way to deal with those natural things. And those have to be taken to the Lord, and you have to do things right, and it has to be, it has to be holy. But to have those is not wrong. So don't, don't, don't think that, walk away from this and say, man, there must be something wrong with me. No, there's something right with you. That's normal. This world, they, they turn everything perverted. Like they make it, like there's nothing perverted about that. All right? What's perversion if you do things the wrong way? Right? That's perverted. But not to have those, those feelings and thoughts and everything. That's, that's not. But they need to be holy. They need to be right. Right? They can't cross the line into sinful lust and things like that. There's, there's, a, there's a, a line with that. But normal? Yes. So uh, understand that. That's, I, I, always, I, I like to mention that because I wouldn't want... Because some people leave, a, leave a, uh, you know, a thought or a sermon like that. And they might, some of these young people might think, well, man, what's wrong with me in this? Nothing. Well, not concerning that. There's probably other things wrong with you, but not that. Okay, that's that's what's right about you. There's something wrong with all of us. We have a depraved nature, but but other than that, right? It's normal life. Those things are normal. So just remember that. But remember, we find here that favor will dry up; that it will go away. It'll go the way of all the earth. If you choose favor over virtue as a young lady, you'll be a very sad young lady in life. Because your beauty will fade. Because as a young person, you are, you are young and you are full of life and youth and beauty, but one day you'll get old and gray. And if that's all you have to hold on to are those things of importance, you'll have a very shallow life and much sorrow. There better be more than you than a pretty face or a nice figure because those things will go away. And if that is all that you desire to attract a man with, that's not true biblical virtue, it will rot, right? It will rot. If that's all that matters, if that's all that's there to you, it, it's vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. There ought to be depth of substance to who you are in the sense of your fear of the Lord and your character and growing and, and, and your love for God. That, that ought to be, that ought, in a child of God, that ought to be there, Right? That ought to be nurtured and grown, that depth and that, that understanding and truth, right? That ought to be there. Remember, if your looks is all that you catch him with, you won't keep him. If a relationship is built purely on lust in that sense, and that's all that matters, 
you won't keep you you won't keep each other if that's it. it that's not enough right it's the fear of the Lord by the way that that goes for the man and the woman and, and l let me say that to you because and the reason I'm saying that is it's true yeah I thank God for a wife that 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 follows the Lord and obeys the Lord and, and fulfills the needs of her husband and, and goes beyond those things in many ways. I thank God for that. But that's not, what, that's not ultimately all that keeps, that what keeps me. Overall is that I fear God. Do you understand that? Let me say this to you. All of the accusations and everything that's ever been thrown at me since I've been in the ministry and all those other things that have happened to me, the, over, the, 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 the thing that, that, that sticks out to me more than anything is, is if any of those things were true, I would be more afraid of God than I would be of any man alive. Because the, the basis of the reason why none of those are true is, I fear God! That's why. That, that's why. That's what keeps me. It's the fear of the Lord. That's what, that's what keeps you. It's the fear of the Lord. Is it not, friend? Is it not the fear of the Lord that keeps you? Is it not reverence for God and who He is and that He's your Father and that He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins? And how could I betray the innocent blood? Amen. How could I... How could I how could I hold hands with sin in this wicked world and betray my Lord and do such things? How can I betray the responsibilities that are before me and the generation that's coming after me? And that's why we pray and that's why I pray, God, keep me. Amen. I sure hope you pray that. I sure hope that you're praying that God keeps you and me. You better be praying for me, because I pray for you. I lift your name up every day to God. I hope you're lifting mine up to him. I hope you're asking God to keep me and to preserve me. Amen. Amen. That is a duty of yours, to pray for me, just like it is for me to pray for you. It's your duty to pray for me and to ask God to keep me. Right? That's true love, isn't it? To pray for one another? To hold each other up in prayer? Amen. That's important. It's the fear of God that will keep you. It's not, friend, you won't, it, it's not, it, your wife could be the kindest, most loving wife. She could fulfill all of the things that she is supposed to fulfill but, fulfill. but if you don't fear God and give him glory, if your life isn't about the fear of the Lord, if you don't put him first, you will fall. That's just the truth. And lady, if your life is not built on the fear of the Lord and what you have isn't built on the fear of the Lord, you will crumble. Your whole life will crumble around you. It is the fear of God that keeps man. It is the fear of God that is the beginning of understanding and wisdom. Right? All true. And it's not this fear like, I'm scared God's going God's to gonna throw me into hell. No, I have a Father in heaven that is well able to correct me in the measure that he needs to correct me with. He doesn't have to cast me into outer darkness. He knows how to correct his own children. Amen. When he's done with you, you might wish you could go find a hole to crawl in somewhere and hide, but you can't hide from God. Amen. It is the fear of God that keeps a man. It is the fear of God that keeps a, a marriage. It's, God, it's the fear of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, that's, that's what the Bible is teaching us here. Virtue is better than beauty. 
it is better than beauty. It is vain because beauty is, beauty is vain because it is fleeting. It is vain because it tends to pride and self-centeredness. It is vain because it tends to cause one to be consumed with the physical and the temporal and to neglect the spiritual and eternal. Beauty is vain because it is, it is of no value before God if not accompanied by godliness. It is as foolish as a pig with a golden ring in its nose. Proverbs 11, 22. Let's turn there. Proverbs eleven twenty two. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. That's a good sermon, a swine's snout. <laughs> Amen. So is a fair woman, which is without discretion. Amen. So is that fair woman. You know what that means? A beautiful woman, a young maiden, a beautiful woman without discretion. It's that word fair. She was fair to look upon, beautiful to look upon, right? If, you don't have, if a woman doesn't have that discretion, that holiness, that chastity, all the, it's, like a, it's like a pig walking around. Pig with makeup on. That's what it is. Pig with lipstick. Right? Yeah, a hog or a dog. That's right. So, it is vain because it does not satisfy in any lasting sense. Consider how many men married to the world's most beautiful women have committed adultery. Like, it didn't keep them. It, it didn't keep any of them. Beauty is never perfect in this world, and if beauty is the chief object of the heart's desire, says one, the individual will never be satisfied. The Bible talks about the eyes of a man are never satisfied. They're chasing beauty. They're chasing what the world has to offer them. They'll never be satisfied, ever. Right? It's the fear of the Lord that brings contentment. Multitudes seek after beauty in a spouse, but if not accompanied by virtue, the beauty will be a curse and not a blessing. Beauty is but a flower that fades in a day, and the love produced by it is but a transient passion. A transient passion. It's just built on passion that is transient. It'll, it'll go away because the next beautiful thing that comes along, they'll go chase that. I knew men like that. I grew up around men like that. When I was in martial arts and I was a young man, I grew up watching uh, he, the man that I, he, he was a womanizer. I just watched him, how he treated women. And I didn't know any different because I didn't have any good examples of that kind of thing around me, you know? So I was just watching. I was like, okay. So I learned as a, lost, a young lost man just to be a womanizer, right? Because that was my example, right? That's what's in front of you. Drinking, partying, running around, right? Lying, yeah. right? Deceiving, yeah. using, yeah. right? That's just, that's just what I was taught. Till I had a head-on collision course with the Holy Ghost when I, Amen. when I turned 25 years old. Amen. And I lost. Well, actually, I won, but <laughs> because Christ won it for me, right? Amen. But. But uh, I got hit by a freight train called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it just ran right over me, right? I was like, whoa. <laughs> you are done with that, son. Right? 
And slowly God began to weed those things out. I mean, he, you know, a lot of the immediate things were weeded out, but it took a while for me to understand what virtue was and to add to your faith virtue, right? I didn't know what that was. Right? It took a while. I mean, I didn't have it right away. I mean, you have to add it, right? You learn it as you grow and you walk in the Spirit. And it took a while for me to, to learn that, right? To understand that. Sometimes some of you need to stop discounting the growth that it takes to grow in the Lord. You first get saved and you think you're supposed to, you're always off to the races right away. And I get that, okay, because I was the same way. But you have to understand there are no shortcuts in this Christian life. Some of the things that your older brothers and sisters have learned, they've learned it through pain. <laughs> they didn't learn it through perfection. If you think you're going to live this Christian life and you're going to learn everything through perfection and not ever failing... <laughs> Oh, man, are you in for it, right? Because that's not how we learn, right? You that have been saved for a while, you know full well, don't you? When you look back, ouch, that hurt, but I learned it. Some of the greatest lessons are learned in suffering and in pain and in growing pains, right? Learning. And you just like, well, never doing that again, right? Never doing that again, Right? That's what happens. You're not going to shortcut your growth. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like this brother, sister in Christ like that's been saved for like 30 years. Well, no, you're not. You're not to compare yourselves among yourselves, but you're still, you're young, right? You're a new believer. And by the way, I, as your pastor, I don't expect you to be like that. Like, I don't expect you to be fully mature because I'm not fully mature, but I don't expect you to be fully mature or, you know, mature beyond your years of salvation. I look and I say, okay, well, I get it. And that's why I try to be very reserved in what I do and patient. You know, Paul talked about that. You know, he talked about... Um, being patient with others and 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 you know he there was a lot of things that he could do he could pull out he said i could i you know i could come with the sword i could come with uh, and he meant the sword of the spirit not a real sword right but he, he could come with a heavy correction but he tried not to he pleaded with them that he would not have to that's the same thing that's that should be the heart of a pastor to plead with people that they that they don't have to i don't want to right i, I don't want to do that i i hate it I, hate, I, I don't hate obeying God. <laughs> it, it's hard to do those things when you don't, you don't, because you don't want to ever do it. It's like your children. You really don't want to, right? Like, I don't, unless I don't get any joy out of disciplining my children. I don't get, like, I'm not, like, happy about it. Like, I'm happy to obey the Lord and to do what's right, but I'm not like, yeah, they got what was coming. I don't ever feel that way. Like, I don't, I don't like that, Right? That's like a vengeful spirit. We don't have that. We want to obey the Lord, though, but we don't want to. We don't enjoy, you know, those things. And you shouldn't, by the way. Our young lady, uh, you know, in looks and everything else, the Bible says that that's a, or, or this man says he uses what's called transient passion. Looks are like a mere transient passion that will go away. Right? It, it'll... If that's all it's built on, if that's all your life is built on, is that is looks, and that's all your marriage is, is built on, and any of that, it's, it's transient, it'll fade. It better be built on more than that, right? It, be, it better be built on more. It better matter more to you, right? 
I, I use this before, but that one preacher that said that about, uh, he asked this young man why he liked this girl, and he said, because of her Coke bottle figure. He said, wonderful, son, what are you going to do when she becomes a three-liter? <laughs> you better love her for more than what she looks like. <laughs> it, better, it better be more important to you than, than what she looks like. Not that that's not a part of it, it is, but it shouldn't be the main thing. You know, when I honestly, and I thank God for my wife, who I believe was better than I deserved. Amen. Absolutely. 100%. And, but I wanted a wife that would be a pastor's wife, one that would, because I knew what I was called to do. I knew it. And I wanted a wife that would be faithful to God and that would be faithful in marriage and that, that we could build that life on. Amen. And God gave me that, right? And, and I, that was important to me because I was looking for, I wasn't looking for what the world had to offer me. I did at first look for what the world had to offer me. <laughs> and then God showed me that, yeah, that's not, that's not good. That won't go well. Right? Because what the world's going to offer you is vanity. And by the way, it wants to steal your beauty and use it for vanity. Amen. It wants to take the beauty that you do have, young ladies, and it wants to steal it and use it, the world, cis world system, this antichrist system, to take it and steal it and use your beauty all up and make it vain. Amen. Not to be built on the fear of the Lord. That's what the world wants to do. You better remember that. This world is no friend of mine. Is this vile world a friend of mine? No. Is it a friend of Christ? Nope. To lead me on to God? Nope. It's a war, right? It's a battle. You saw that last night. They're no friend of virtue. They're a bunch of liars. They literally ripped that cord out of our hands and started a fight there and, and started being like striking us, right? They literally started that and then they turned around and they lied about it. Like openly, just absolutely lied. Yeah, there was a juggler right next to us. I thought he was going to hit me with that. Yeah, it was Vanity Fair. We looked at it. It was. It really did look like something out of... It did. It did. You know, this is the thing. There, are some, there may be some young ladies, Christian ladies in this world, that they may not like a plain man or a man that's uh, just a faithful man, but they're looking for a flash in the pan or they're looking for something fancier. They're looking for something the, the world has to offer. Or there may be some young men that are they're not looking for a Christian woman that wants to serve the Lord. They're Christian, but they're, they, they see what's out in the world and they become attracted to that, right? They become attracted to what they see and they think that, they're, that, that the women of the church are supposed to look like the women of the world. No, they're supposed to be the exact opposite. Whatever they're pushing out there, we're pushing holiness and truth in, in here, right? We're not, we're not to push that. But they want you to. But they, you may be, find yourself attracted to that. Don't be. It's vanity, the Bible says. Judging by beauty alone is dangerous and will lead to many sorrows. So many have went after that and ignored virtue and followed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's like money. They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You know, there's people that have a desire to be rich. And the Bible warns you, don't have a desire to be rich. You shouldn't, and all that you do is you work, 
you should not have your desire should not to be financially wealthy in that sense your desire should be the fear of the Lord your desire is to honor God amen it's not to be rich it's not to be wealthy that is never a Christian's goal you look all the way through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation do you see it anywhere where we're supposed to desire riches now were there rich Christians yeah James and what did he tell them be ready to distribute, ready to give, ready to be kind to others, ready to help others. And he warned him about the sorrows of riches. So God is not a respecter of persons, rich or poor, they all need to be saved. But the point is, is that you and I are never to desire riches or desire the will of God. We're not to desire to be wealthy just so we can be like these, the wealthy men of the world because those riches will drag you down. They'll destroy you. Amen. We're, that's not our desire. Dave Ramsey's wealth, uh, <laughs> whatever his stupid non. I, I can't stand that. I hate it. I, I want to spit on it is what I I hate it. I, I hate that stuff. I hate the way they talk. I hate the way they act. My brother-in-law acts that way. He's got all the, he, he mingles the Bible with all this, all these rich, how to get rich techniques and, and use all this. And it's just, I hate it. It just, it makes me sick. Yeah, I, I hate it. Why? Because it's garbage. The focus of your life is not to be rich. And if it is, your heart's not right with God. Your heart, I'm telling you that right now. I'm not saying God wants you to like not work hard and be poor or whatever. But, what I'm, but your goal is not to be rich unless it's spiritually rich. Right? But not, not, not this world's riches. We're not to go after this world's riches. Oh, I got to be, I see these pastors doing that. Well, I got to have all these investments and all these. I'm not talking about just, you know, taking care of their retirement. There's nothing wrong with doing something if they want to save money for something. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything simple about that. But they're building all these like empires up in there. They, they, they're, they're, they're pastor in a church and they own like 30 or 40 houses and they're doing all this. I don't have time to do any of that. I have a harder time managing one house, mine. I don't know how in the world these people think they're going to do all this stuff. With like, And you're going to pastor God's flock and that's not going to take your heart away. And you're actually going to care about the, the heart of your brethren and your sisters that you're there to pastor. Really? You're not going to be distracted by all that? Amen. Right? What is that? It's vanity. Right. I'm not saying it's vanity to save and to do right if you can do it and to you know, help others and all. I'm not talking about, you know, building a business or working. There's nothing sinful about any of that. I'm not talking about that. But if your goal is to be rich, you're going to have a lot of sorrow. If that's your goal in life, as a Christian, look, as a lost man, I get it. I was lost and I, and I was going on trips to Cancun, Mexico free and, cruise, and cruises to Cozumel and winning $5,000 bonuses and it all when I was 19 years old. So I, I get it. I mean, I get it. I went to all the hoorah meetings. I went to area vice president meetings. I went all the, they flew me to Boston. I saw them all dancing on tables and doing all, and I was like, whoa, these people are weird. But I saw them doing all the getting drunk, Paul, and just being a bunch of uh, uh, drunk rich people running around and bragging about all the money they made and everything else. And I was like a 19 year old kid. I'm just looking around like, whoa, right? I wasn't saved though. I got saved. I had no desire to be rich. Like, that's not my, I don't have a desire to be rich. Why would, why would that matter to you? Why would you want to be, where in the Bible does it say that you're supposed to be rich? That you're supposed to work to be rich? I'm not saying if, if you made money and did well that that's wrong. 
What I'm saying is, is that's not usually the goal of God-fearing people, is to be rich. Does God bless hard work? Does God bless? Yes. But very few men in this world can have honesty and integrity and have a lot of money. You work for them, right? You know, right? They don't have a lot of honesty and integrity, most of them. Nope. So it's just, it's, what is it? It's part of vanity. If those things are more important to you than the will of God, that's just as bad as a beautiful woman using her beauty to take advantage of people. It's the same principle. See, you bet you never thought I'd take it there, did you? Right? That's right. Cut. We'll just cut it all down, right? Just put it all level. Anyway, it is temporary, those things are. The bloom of beauty fades with youth, but a wife is to be a man's helpmeet throughout life. And if both are spared, his companion in age, in making a choice for life, a man should consider enduring traits. Remember, you are choosing a spouse for life. That will last longer than mere external beauties. Those are superficial. And it can be very deceptive. The fascination of a pretty face may delude a man into neglecting more important considerations in the woman of his choice. Think about this. He may overlook some things like an ill temper may be taken for strength of character, frivolity for liveliness, mere softness of disposition for love. But the great disillusion of lifelong companionship will dispel all these mistakes when the discovery is too late to be of any use. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you get, when you come to a point that you, you believe you're going to choose a spouse and, you, and you're going to do that, choose wisely, choose biblically. The input of your father and your mother on both sides of that relationship and also mining out and talking about things, knowing where each other stands on things, knowing how, to, how you're going to agree upon dealing with things. There are things you're right that you're never going to know until you get married. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But you know what? There should be a whole lot of talking and communicating with each other and learning each other and learning to understand those things, right? And then asking your parents about things that you discussed with them. Amen. What do you think, Mom? What do you think, Dad, about this? And sometimes there can be, like, confusion, and you can go talk to them and say, well, what did you mean by this? Well, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Some people can, you know, people can be taught. They're just because, just because somebody's wrong about something doesn't mean you just, like, throw them to the curb or something. You know, they're done. I mean, you can talk about things, right? We can, you can teach them. You can see if they have a teachable spirit and they understand it, right? You don't just say, get all frantic and worried and be like, oh, nope, they're a devil. Well, maybe not. Maybe they just don't understand something. When I was newly, I didn't understand stuff. I mean, I, I asked my wife about it. I was like, what in the world are they talking about? <laughs> right? I'm sure I must have asked her questions about that and asked her father questions. And then, you know, probably more her probably than, than her father, but just wondering like, what in the world, you know? But I understood, you know, simply, the, you know, just kind of the outline of things, how it was, I'm sure. John Trapp said this, he said, Some marry by their eyes, and some by their fingers' ends. Make such marriages, but they commonly prove unhappy. Favor will fade and beauty wither. A herd of pox will mar the fairest of faces. It can be deceitful. 
partly because it gives a false representation of the person, being oftentimes a cover to a most deformed soul and to many evil and hateful qualities, partly because it doth not give a man that content and satisfaction, which at first view he promised to himself from that, that beauty that he saw, and partly because it soon lost, not only by death, but by many diseases and contingencies. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. The praise these will bring you is not worth coveting. Beauty of form and feature is almost always a snare when it is not an index to beauty of the soul. A woman should not place her worth in these outward advantages. She is to aim at, she is to, aim at a higher beauty to seek to be beautiful in the eyes of him who seeth not as man seeth. Amen. Don't put too much stock in, in, in the way somebody looks in that sense versus the way that their heart reflects what they believe. Three things should guide you in dress. One man says, truth, order, and harmony. You violate the rule of truth if you ever dress so as to be mistaken for what you are not. Amen. You should never purchase what will have an ill look when it is shabby. If you do, you violate the law of order. You offend against the law of harmony if what you have on excites remark. A woman is dressed harmoniously when her dress seems part of herself. It's interesting, isn't it? So in other words, what she is wearing doesn't stick out for everybody to see, but it kind of just blends in to everybody. Talk of Christians wise, not blends into the world, right? We are going to stick out wherever we go. Right? Mostly because we have clothes on. That, right? Mostly. And the girls are girls. That helps. Right? That'll make you stick out. I mean, you just have to walk in a room. If you see young ladies and they, you just walk in a room, right? And you see them versus the, <laughs> the girls in the world. And you just walk up like, like you can pick them out. Like, oh yeah, those are girls. Right? And the other ones, we're not sure about what those are, right? But we know what young ladies are. We know what young men look like, right? We know what those are very plainly, right? They're going to they're gonna stick out for that purpose now. But your clothing and your attire should be a part of kind of who you are, right? Not just stick out like, like uh, with everything else. As the world is, marriage is the goal of a woman's existence. Marriage makes a, and or mars a woman. Girls whose chief talk is about young men merit severe reprobation, he says. On this matter, good advice may be summed up under three heads. Number one, think little. <laughs> He's talking about thinking too much and talking too much about boys as a, as a young lady. Number two, talk less. <laughs> Number three, do nothing. <laughs> That's good. Right. That is good advice. It is, right? Amen. For young single uh, girls that are growing up, right? It will be time enough for you to think what your chances are and whom you will marry when the question comes before you in a practical form. This advice, this advice is based upon sound reasons and justified by manifold experiences. Piety is the bond of feminine virtues, the crown of womanly graces. Amen. There is nothing more beautiful than a lady that walks in holiness and walks in purity. Amen after she's been saved by the grace of God and wants to walk in holiness and live for God. Or you grow up and you're raised in that and you get saved at a young age and you want to live for God and you have a, you have a scriptural holiness. There's nothing more beautiful than that. I'm telling you, nothing. 
There is, the world cannot manufacture something that can attain to the beauty of a woman that fears God. There's just no, there is no comparison. None. It is like a cheap, satanic imitation. It can't even come close. Not even close. Amen. Not even close. A cold theology of intellectual ideas will never satisfy you. The religion that will command your devotion and obedience must offer a living person to your faith and loyal affection. The gospel offers you the Lord Jesus Christ. Translate the description of fidelity, kindness, industry, and prudence given in this chapter into the language of today. Picture to yourself this model of womanly excellence set in the duties and circumstances of your own lives, and then aim to be like her. For such will be the woman that feareth the Lord, whom he will deem worthy of praise. Used rightly, beauty may be a virtue, but perverted it becomes a source of great and awful evil. Amen. Beauty is vain, but we need not disparage beauty in itself. Beauty of form and features of God. Amen. God is the one that gives beauty, isn't he? So we don't look down upon it by any means. We thank God for it. And lastly, it is a woman that feareth the Lord. The question I have for you is, are you a woman that fears the Lord? Do you fear God and give him glory? Or do you take the beauty of youth and the external blessings that God has given you to use them in an unbiblical way? Will you rely on your youth and beauty or will you rely on the Lord? True piety is the beauty of the soul and it excels that which lies in complexion and features as much as heaven is higher than the earth or eternity longer than time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. By the way, do you hear all those men yapping at us last night? All these men and women walking up in there, yap, 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 yap. That's what they're doing. They're just yapping away, right? Why, why didn't we care what they had to say? Because they don't fear God. They don't have wisdom. They have no wisdom. When they speak, they speak as fools. And everything, that, that's why we don't listen to what they, we, we, I mean, we hear them. But we don't take to heart what they say. Why haven't you been discouraged and quit yet? Because a bunch of fools are telling me to quit. That's why. <laughs> right. Amen. Right? A bunch of wise men didn't stand up and take the word of God and say, well, you should, you should just quit. No, a bunch of fools told me to quit last night. Right. Oh, what do you do? You press on. You keep, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They don't even fear God. Why would I care what they say? Why, why, would you care? why would you care what the world has to say about the way you dress, lady? Why would you want to model yourself after a bunch of people that don't fear God? Why would you look over at the world and look at what they do and say, huh, I mean, I wonder if I should dress like that, or I wonder if I should do that, or I wonder if I should be like that, or I wonder if I should be one of these liberated women, or I, who are enslaved, by the way. They're the biggest slaves ever. Yep. They're a slave to that system. By the way, their, their wives, they come home crying and in tears from their job from working. Why? They're never supposed to be there. Show me the Bible. Flip it up, flip it down, flip it on the side. Anywhere you want to go from Genesis to Revelation, show me where they're supposed to be there. Show me. Well, they're not. But people don't generally don't like to get right about that. They just like to get mad about it. They don't want to get right. They just want to get mad. 
It's in there. Look for it. Show me. Show me where it is if it's in there. I want to see it, right? And the most essential part of the virtuous woman's character is that which sanctifies every other part of her character, all glorious within. Its praise is not of men but of God. So then God speaks of the true beauty of a woman is her fear of the Lord and not her looks. Nothing wrong with that, again, about looking nice or anything like that, but the fear of the Lord shapes the character of the person, and especially the lady. If a lady has much beauty but lacks virtue, she is actually like a sow, like the Bible says. It's the true nature of dogs and hogs. If you paint up a pig, it's still a pig. You get that, right? If you want to put lipstick on a dog, you can, put, you can try. You can put lipstick on a dog, but it's still a dog. You ain't going to change it. If you dress a dog like something else, it's still going to be a dog. Right? If a woman has an outward beauty about her, but she has the, the heart of a dog or a sow, then that's exactly what she is in God's eyes. And that has nothing to do with her looks. It has to do with her heart. When the Bible talks about that sow, it's not talking about the way she, her physical appearance. You get that, right? It's talking about her heart. Like, remember when he gave Nebuchadnezzar the heart of a beast? They have like a beastly heart. They have a, a fallen nature that they're, that they're driven by. So whatever beauty is on the outward side, God says, if you really could see their heart, you would see that they're nothing but a dog and a hog. Amen. That's what he's saying. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way. Wait. So it's me fearing God when, we, when, when you and I go out and we preach and we, we hate the evil way? Yeah. Well, that... You're not loving. Well, God told me to hate it. I'm not supposed to love your evil way. I'm supposed to hate it. He said to hate it. He said, if I fear God, I'm going to hate that. He said, I'm going to hate evil. I'm going to hate pride. I'm going to hate arrogancy. I'm going to hate the evil way. I'm going to hate the froward mouth, which is a perverted mouth. So when we look at him, we say, do you kiss your mother with a mouth like that? Right? We look at him and we tell him that you're talking filthy. You say, oh, you... Why, why are you saying that to them? Because it's true. That's why. And they need to hear it. The Bible says I'm to hate the froward mouth. Right? Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth. Do I hate? I'm not supposed to love everything. You get that, right? Like, I'm not supposed to walk around and be like this lovey-dovey thing that's loving everything. Like the Pope and... Yeah, anyway, but uh, right? He don't love everything either. He kills people. But, uh, but we're not supposed to be that way, right? We're not, we don't run out of love and evil. The next time they say that to you, you say, well, God didn't tell me. God told me to hate evil, not love it. I'm not supposed to love your evil. And your homosexuality, your LGBTQ, your perversion is evil, and God told me to hate it. Because if I feared God, I'm going to hate your perversion. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure 
in God's eyes, right? Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. I want you to turn there, if you can find Ecclesiastes. I'm watching every single one of you right now to see if you know where Ecclesiastes, I'm not, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm looking at dad's head back there, it's shining. I'm looking right at grandpa's head. I'm not watching you trying to find Ecclesiastes, all right? I already have mine written down, so that's... <laughs> Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Amen. Hmm. So this is after Solomon's long life of everything that he had done. His repentance, right? After he ch I mean, he chased every beautiful woman you could imagine. Right? He did... He, he, a thousand women, right? That was a thousand women. Whew. I don't know how that man did that. He had a lot of houses. That's how he did it. He didn't, he didn't live around them. He just put them places. I mean, could you imagine a thousand mother-in-laws? What in the world? <laughs> Bet you never thought about that. The man that had a thousand mother-in-laws. I'm going to preach a sermon called The Man That Had a Thousand Mother-in-Laws. And that man definitely repented. <laughs> right? Right, Brother Paul? He definitely repented, didn't he? He did. The end of his life here, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He says, after all the vanity, vanity, all is vanity, all the things that I've seen, all the things that I've done, all the riches that I had, I got me riches, I got me all these things, he said, I got all these things. He sounded like a pirate, didn't he? But he got, he got all these things, right? All these riches and all these, all these women and everything else. And what did he say? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil he said you know what I he, he lamented he said I made all this money and I'm gonna die and I don't know if the guy that comes after me is even gonna take care of the stuff that I worked my whole life for Right? Well, here's a news flash. He's probably not gonna. You know all that stuff? You know, you etched out your garden, you made your landscaping perfect and all that stuff. They're gonna dig it all up and destroy it, man. They're gonna bury dogs in it. They're gonna, they're gonna spread manure on it. They're gonna build something on top of it. They're gonna, like all that stuff you spent your whole life doing and getting on there with your hands and digging really hard and doing all that stuff and, and I mean, making, making it perfect and everything else. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna run right through it. It's gonna done. It's gonna be done, right? You're like, man, I did all that work. But you ain't gonna care. You're gonna be in heaven anyway, right? Right. You're gonna be like my rock garden. Yep, done. Gone, all of it. Every little thing that you did, like, right? They were like, they didn't even care about that. What? They cut that tree down I was saving, yep. Just mowed right through it, right? Oh, man. You ever drive back to a house you sold? Look at it. What'd you do to this house? Right? That's the way it goes. Because he didn't know what was going to happen to all that land, right? He didn't know what was going to happen to all that money he had. He's like, then you're going to take care of it. He's right. And guess what? It's all going to burn anyway. It ain't making it through the elements that melt with fervent heat, friend. Yeah. You know what does? The souls of men. The work of the ministry. It does. Our work, not my work, our work as a church. 
That lasts through eternity. Amen? The eternal souls of men. That's where our importance should lie. Not in being rich and, and not in beauty and vain beauty and everything else, but in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You know what, if you, if you fear the Lord, you don't care what man thinks. That's why you can go out there and you can preach the gospel. That's why I seen Lee with that banner going up in front of that restaurant in the window and lifts that banner up like this. And he's got it, he's got it right, Lee's got to hoist it all the way up to the window. So then people are eating dinner and they're looking out, or drinking booze, not eating dinner. They're looking out their life. I mean, I couldn't see their faces, but you know that's the way they're looking, right? Because they're all the way up there and they're like, what is that? He's got the, that was the abortion banner, wasn't it? He's got that hoisted up there and they're reading that whole thing. What's that? The mother yeah, the mother of murderer one, right? He's got it up there and they're reading the whole thing while they're eating. Right? Look at that. Man, what is that? What is going on? Yeah, that was nice of you. Well, that's why. Well, why didn't he? It was on a public sidewalk, right? Whatever. It's like, well, why, why, did, why wasn't he afraid to do that? Because the fear of man breaking the snare, but who's put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. That's why that man had that statue out there and he was holding that abortion sign. What was up with that guy? He said he believed in miracles on his plaque and he had this abortion sign. Yeah, the brass man. He... It was nice of him to join us. I, I appreciated it. <laughs> but a woman that feareth the Lord, which character is here mentioned. We're done here. We got a couple more comments and we're done here. But a woman that feareth the Lord, which character is here mentioned, either as the crown of all her perfections or as a key to understanding the foregoing description of her character as being intended of that wisdom, fidelity, and diligence which proceeded from her or are accompanied with the fear of God. So in other words, think about it this way. All these fine attributes that you see this woman have, all of these things, all of these things, they, they, they describe a woman that is a godly wife that fears God. She fears the Lord. She doesn't do these things to fear God. She does these things because she fears God. Right? We don't obey the Lord because we're afraid God's going to throw us in hell if we don't obey Him. We obey the Lord because He already saved us. <laughs> Amen? That's why. I, I, we follow the Lord because He already saved us. He already washed us in His own blood and changed us and made us new creatures. So we obey the Lord because we want to. Because he gave us a heart to want to follow him, didn't he? Because he gave us a new nature. So we want to follow him. So a woman that finds out, you as a wife, or you young ladies, you find out what a, what a wife looks like that fears the Lord, then you ought to want to follow this. Because this is what God says a woman does that fears the Lord. And next week, we'll finish up with, with uh, the future of the woman that fears the Lord. Amen? We'll finish up with that. I hope you learned some things. I went on overtime, but I promise I will not charge you for it. Amen. <laughs> Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for men and women that love Jesus, that are willing to stand for him. Lord, it's our encouragement all week long to come together and to, on Sunday and spend the day with the saints of God and rejoice with them and to lift your name up, Lord, and to... 
preach and to teach and to listen and to edify one another in our most holy faith, to eat with one another, to fellowship with one another, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. We don't take that lightly, but we're grateful for it, Lord. We thank you for it. And Lord, also, Father, we thank you for 17 men that went out last night to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to hand out 1,200 tracts to sinners that so badly needed in their hands, and Lord, to preach the gospel and to hold banners up and to suffer reproach outside of the camp. And Lord, we thank you for it. Happy are ye, and we are happy, Lord, to do it. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.